This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. For $75 off your first order, visit molecule.com. That's M O L E K U L E.com and use the promo code FOOL75. It's Monday, July 15th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hale, joining me in studio. Jason Moser. Happy Prime Day. Happy Prime Day. The first of two, right? Because Prime Day is not just one day anymore. It's maybe it's now Prime Event. We're just a Prime couple, Week. We're a couple years away from Prime Week. We're, we're going to get to Prime Day in a second. Uh, we're going to talk about Facebook's news. Let's start with some earnings, though. Citigroup second quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. Uh, for those who don't know, Jason uh, also hosts. The Monday episode of our industry-focused podcast, which focuses on financials, you're not going to be hearing about bank earnings on Industry Focus today. No, 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 you're not. You're not. It's it's a little bit of a different show today. We we had an opportunity. I had an opportunity as um, you know. I'm running the augmented reality service here. I had an opportunity to interview the CEO and co-founder of a company called Upskill. His name is Brian Ballard, and Upskill is in the business of building software for augmented reality devices in the enterprise. Uh, so it was a really cool interview to to talk about like AR and and how that is coming into play for businesses. Really, is I think most people like to think about consumer implications. This is more uh, business-related, really fun interview, so uh, make sure to catch that. So, we've got this bank. We'll have pretty much all the big banks are reporting this week, so we'll almost certainly hit that in some form on this week's Motley Fool Money. But let's look at Citigroup for a second. Sure. This seems like a, a good quarter, although I should point out, we talk about one-time events for different companies, and a lot of times it's a one-time charge. This is a one-time, well, a good event. They they had an IPO in there that they did, and that that juiced the numbers a little bit. Even with, like you back that out, it's still a good quarter. It's still a little bit better than expected, but. Um, but the TradeWeb IPO that they had that that certainly helped. Yeah, I mean, it, you you never want to discount. Success. I mean, even if it's just a one-time thing, I mean, we all want to hear about it. Um, I mean, I've said before, I feel like we're living in this adjusted non-GAAP world at this point, anyway. So, um, I, I think, I mean, the, the quarter was okay. I think on the surface, it was really shaping up to be a challenging quarter for Citigroup and for the banks to come here because they are they are feeling some. Headwinds really from all angles, I think. And it's market volatility is keeping big trade clients sort of at bay. Trade questions obviously still playing out. There's been no real resolution in regard to that. Interest rates, I mean, the interest rate environment right now is a challenging one for banks in general because they aren't really able to maximize profitability. On on their deposits, and so all of that together, it, it makes it a bit more difficult. You know, Matt Frankel and I talked about uh, last week uh, what he was looking at for these banks coming into earnings season, and and he and I both. Uh, we're thinking that it's really a story about share buybacks first and foremost, and a lot of that is because not only uh, were banks buying back shares already, but they got the green light to buy back more shares, um, and, and that certainly is what drives a lot of the earnings per share growth for Citigroup this quarter. They bought back 50 more, 54 million shares uh, between dividends and those buybacks. They paid up to about 4.6 billion dollars. They uh, returned to shareholders there. Now, if you take those 54 million shares into account, that is Essentially, was about three and a half billion of that four point six billion, and 
again, they just got the green light to do a lot more. So, I think that is really the story for these banks in the coming quarters. So, it sounds like you think what we're seeing, or at least part of what we're seeing with Citigroup, we're going to see that theme play out later this week with Bank of America, you know, JP Morgan, and the rest. I think chances are good. Now, I do think Citigroup is probably the it's the bank that faces more challenges from a consumer perspective. I think than others like Bank of America and JP Morgan and whatnot. And I mean, you think about it all the way back to just 2011. Remember, I mean, back back right after that financial crisis. The mood regarding this bank was really, really sour. I mean, the mood regarding all banks was pretty sour, but City Citigroup even more so, I think. And they had that reverse stock split, that one for ten stock split to try to get their share price out of the tank. Um, I had for, I had actually forgotten yeah, about well, that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you go back to that point in time, and I mean, we were all probably thinking, man, I don't want to own this bank. I wouldn't touch it with a ten foot pole. Now, I'm not saying it's lit the world on fire since then, but. It has been a decent investment. Not a great one. It's not. It's not beating the market, but you've made some money on it. Uh, so I mean, they've they've kind of gotten their act together. And, and end of period deposits were a little bit over one trillion dollars, which was up five percent from a year ago. So I mean, that's really the key there is you want these banks to keep on bringing in deposits, and then they can start lending that stuff out. What they really need is a bit of a higher interest rate environment to make it a little bit more uh, profitable on that front. It just sounds like that's not going to be uh, coming for a while. Shares of Facebook are basically flat today. On Friday afternoon, they closed well within a few bucks of an all-time high. That was on reports from the Wall Street Journal and others that the Federal Trade Commission has approved a fine of $5 billion for the social network. I don't know about you, but when I saw that story late on Friday, I immediately thought of Scott Galloway. <laughs> and uh, the interview I did with him a few months ago, and this was sort of in the works. Um, there were different numbers floating around, and I asked him, "Well, what do you think about that?" And I believe his answer was, "Well, put a zero on, t- you know, <laughs> put a zero next to that, and then, uh, and then, yeah, I think we'll we'll actually um, cause large tech companies to rethink things." But you know. Five billion dollars. That's a. I mean, back of the envelope. That's a month's worth of revenue for Facebook. Oh yeah. I mean, I think you add at least one zero to that number to make it meaningful. I mean, I, you know, the idea of a punishment is to change certain behavior. I mean, I think we can agree with that. I mean, I'm not saying that's the only reason, but that's a big part of it. You want to you want to change a certain behavior, and I, I think, you know, this fine is not something that really. Commands Facebook to change any real behavior. I mean, I they can afford this thing, no problem. I mean, you you look at this company; they essentially have an endless pool of resources. I mean, the balance sheet is, I think, stacked with like forty five billion dollars in cash. I mean, you know, Zuckerberg. I mean, he can issue he can just issue new stock whenever he wants. I mean, like the market will just eat it up. So I mean, it's just they've they've got an endless pool of resources, and so when you have that, I mean, monetary fines just become less meaningful. And uh, you know, I mean, I, I do have, I have a hard time thinking, I have a hard time believing that this fine will change anything that they do. Um, now, if 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 we see something other than this fine, if if in addition to the fine, we see certain steps taken that makes it a little bit more difficult for them to do things without being more transparent and upfront with how this affects privacy and whatnot. I mean, that probably makes a difference. Um, if, if they have a, a higher burden to uphold, I think that, that works. I don't know that money is, is the answer, necessarily. 
Now, I will say, and I mean, I, I say this all the time. I mean, I have a hard time reconciling that people ultimately value their privacy as much as the watchdogs would have us believe. Because, I mean, the fact of the matter is, I mean, they're going there and posting their lies for all to see on that website every day. So, I mean, there is a little bit of responsibility here on the individual's part. Uh, but by the same token, uh, there, there is an expectation at least to some privacy. And, and, and you know, Facebook has to, has to uphold that, that part of the deal. Even with the rise that we've seen in 2019 of this stock, and I think it's up about 50% year to date. It's still below where it was a year ago. Um, when you look at the stock, do you think to yourself, "This seems like a value play"? Like, like maybe not cheap, but when you look at the stock right now, what do you think in terms of how attractive it is for someone who has been sitting on the sidelines? I mean, I, I'm not an investor in Facebook. I probably won't be. I'm just. Not really into it ultimately, but I, I like I do think it is a I think as an investor you're hard pressed to make a case that this is going to be a bad investment. I think if you bought this stock today in five years, you would look back and think, yeah, I mean, I'm glad I did that um, because once you get to that size, I mean, that the network effect that's in play here is just so unbelievably powerful. And and I mean, when you when you go beyond just the Facebook platform and all of these different properties they have, the different things that they can try. I mean, that's I think one of the biggest risks to the business right now. Is I mean, let's forget the antitrust stuff, right? I think antitrust is really—it's more about privacy, and I think they need to get through this privacy conversation um, and, and back on track so they can focus on the longer-term things that they're looking to do. Whether that's augmented and virtual reality or this this Libra initiative, which I mean, I'm a little bit skeptical there. Certainly, it's going to take a lot longer, I think, than some people, some optimists would have you believe. Um, but but. The more time they have to spend on this privacy issue, that takes away from the time they could be spending investing on those other longer-term initiatives. And so, I think that regardless, they'll get there. It may may delay the process a little bit, but yeah, I think as an investor, if you own the stock, you've got to be looking five years out and thinking, you know what, this is a company that's poised to grow probably a pretty good bit. And I'm not saying it's not out there, but I've yet to see the article about. Facebook's customers being unhappy, and by oh, yeah. cu- and by customers, it's important to make the distinction between the consumers, who are the people who use the website, download the app, you know, all that sort of thing, and use it for free and post their information in their lives, and etc. And the advertisers, who are the customers, they're the ones who are paying Facebook, and they still seem pretty happy with the money they're spending. I, I think you're right, and I mean, maybe we hit a point where they, you know, where Facebook, it, maybe they hit a ceiling where they can't really realize as much pricing power on that ad side as they would hope to. Um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg certainly has, has put it out there that he's more interested in making Facebook a more privacy-focused uh, platform with the the messaging stuff. And the ephemeral nature that they're looking to pursue, maybe. I mean, we haven't really heard anything about that since then, and I'm sure probably a lot of that just is because of what they're having to deal with right now. But yeah, I mean, if you're an advertiser, Facebook and Google are the two big ones, and you have to be on those platforms. And so I don't see that changing anytime soon. Quick thanks to Molecule. Reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. Molecules introduced a breakthrough science that's finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. You need that. You do. Because when the allergies hit, yeah, you're looking to kill things at a molecular level. <laughs> Molecules technology has been personally effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people like me.
and our friend and colleague Jim Mueller, who I think bought three of them for his home wow. or something like that. I know he bought more than one. Uh, molecules given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all new experience. Though they've reinvented the air purifier, Molecule doesn't just collect air pollutants, it destroys them on a molecular level. That includes viruses, bacteria, gaseous chemicals, and mold. So when you turn on Molecule, you're creating the purest air possible, combating allergy season by destroying allergens in the home. And you can get $75 off your first order. Go to Molecule.com and use the promo code FOOL75. That's M O L E. KULE.com and use the promo code FOOL75. Can I say one more thing before we move on to our next story? Because I was thinking about this you know, a little while over the weekend and this whole $5 billion fine for Facebook. And I'm like, you know, it's not going to mean anything for them. For a quick second there, I wasn't sure if you were going to talk about more about Facebook or destroying things at a molecular level. Well, and you never really know. I mean, we can take it in any number of directions here, and then that's part of the fun of the show. But but it it, it struck me. So every time you see these types of fines, you think, okay, it's fairly meaningless to the company. The company's not. But where does all that money go? That's a good question, right? You know. And so I started looking that up a little bit over the weekend because I wanted to figure that out. They throw, like, in, they throw in a big party at the FTC. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, it's like, where does it go? I mean, that's. I think it's a fair question, and it is ultimately. In most cases, now there are a couple of of government agencies where this isn't the case, but in most cases, apparently all of this money just goes to the Treasury for use, and I'm going to say it in quotes because this is what they say: it goes to the Treasury for quote general use, end quote. And so that's kind of like when a company says they're going to issue a lot of debt or they're going public and they're going to raise this money for general purposes right but this money essentially goes to the treasury for general use and that basically then means it's up to congress to budget it and i mean you want to talk about money just getting sucked into a big black hole like i mean at least if they if you felt like they were doing something productive with that money but they don't really have this Awesome reputation as terrific capital allocators. So I just I don't know. It struck me as a question I wanted an answer to, and it seems like I got my answer. I just wonder how other people feel about that. I feel like you could probably do something a little bit more productive with that money. It would be interesting if it was just sort of like earmarked for a very specific purpose. Building out our um, internet infrastructure around yeah. the country. Something that, that yeah. take a bad thing and turn it into a good thing. Right now, they're taking a bad thing and really most likely turning it into a worse thing. I don't know. Fingers crossed. Uh, it is Prime Day, both today and tomorrow. Uh, Prime Day started four years ago. It was a single day. Last year, Amazon expanded it to basically a day and a half, and now it's two days. Although, for me, it actually started on <laughs> Sunday because I went to the Whole Foods near my home, just walked over. And was buying a couple of things, and you get up to the checkout counter. Are you a Prime member? Yes, I am. And they're like, "Oh, you get a a new bag." They had a new Prime branded grocery bag that they were giving away, like a reusable one. a reusable bag. Yeah, to uh, to Prime members. Um, I also learned this morning that apparently last week they had a Prime Day concert. I found that out today as well. <laughs> in, in conjunction, I'm, I'm assuming to help promote uh, Prime Music. Yeah. And um, we talked on. Did we talk on Molly Full Money? Or we talked sometime last week, maybe it was on Market Foolery, about um, the 
Uh, no, it was. Uh, I think you and I talked about Lady Gaga. Oh yeah, the and new the cosmetics deal, yeah. and that that kicks in. That's today. part of you can pre-order, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean that that music event was not. It wasn't anything to thumb your nose at. I mean, no, it was, it was like head, Taylor Swift headlined and, by Taylor uh, yeah, Swift. It's like some some pretty. Heavy hitters uh, in the music world. I mean, I guess I just I don't know. I mean, I every day for me is Prime Day. I mean, I just I mean I'm ordering something from Amazon. It seems like all the time. So I don't know. I, I yeah, Prime Prime Day as we say every year. I mean, it's just the ultimate pr- promotional tool um, in order for the company to sell as much stuff as they can. But but even more so, I think. Bring in more Prime members. The more Prime members, the more, the better. And you know, I actually had to look this up because I, I didn't even realize what the Prime membership cost at this point. Because yeah, you know, I've said it before. I mean, it could probably cost five hundred dollars, and I would still buy it because the math works out in my favor, just through toilet paper and dog food over the course of the year. Um, but one hundred nineteen dollars—that's a pretty good deal for a year, um, and you get a lot of additional benefits from that. And um, you know, I think if you look at it from the the merchant's perspective, though, I think is where it really becomes interesting. And I want to go back to the shareholder letter from Jeff Bezos um, for this year and, and read out a couple of numbers for you. 1999, 3%. And in 2018, 58%. And that 58%, ultimately, that represents the share of physical gross merchandise sales sold on Amazon by independent third party sellers. So, what Amazon used to really be was Amazon selling you Amazon stuff. What it's become is Amazon selling you a lot of other people's stuff. And that's great for us because it means we have more options, but it certainly shows also the status the company has with Small Business America. Right. I mean, it's hard to justify not using that platform given the tools that they've developed at this point. And just like we were talking about with Facebook, how big that network is and how valuable it becomes, there's a network effect in play here too. And the more businesses, the more individuals up there selling their stuff on this platform, the better it is for consumers because the more choice we have, the better prices we get. Um, I think the big risk then just becomes a logistics one. And we're seeing that play out as Prime Day comes and goes. And uh, part of the headline there is for people wanting to boycott Amazon because of concerns on the labor side. I mean, I mean, I'm sure those are justified. Um, I know that last week you guys were talking a little bit about this big investment they're going to make in, in re-educating their workforce to go do other things as tech changes our lives. But uh, yeah, I mean, it just this really just I think it's a good reminder of how big Amazon is and how important it is to a lot of people. It's interesting to see one of the ripple effects here is to the other major retailers in America. You look at Walmart and Target and how they are responding with essentially trying to take advantage of the super high likelihood that a greater number than average people are going to be doing online shopping. Mm-hmm. And it's Pretty easy just to click from Amazon.com over to Walmart.com or Target.com. Target really trying to push their sort of exclusive brands. Um, and but I, I think to go back to what you were saying about sort of getting people into the Prime membership, you think about the timing of this. And I'm pretty sure if you go back and listen to four years ago uh, on this show in advance of Prime Day, I, I think I uh, maybe wasn't skeptical of it as an enterprise, but I just sort of looked at it as, "Come on, this is like a made-up <laughs> thing, and what, like, why are you doing this?" It just, it just struck me as a little bit cheesy at yeah. the time. But if you think about the two biggest retail seasons, and they are 
back to school shopping mm-hmm. and you know heading into December you know Thanksgiving through Christmas and Hanukkah you know like those so getting people into a membership before those two seasons um, makes it even smarter that the, the timing is what it is. I think it's a very good observation, and um, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, they're getting people in, uh, and they're they're finding out new ways to do it. Whether it's Lady Gaga's exclusive fashion line or cosmetics line, or that, I mean, I know they're working uh, more on the fashion side, and they've got influencers on Instagram. Um, Steering people towards Amazon today for deals. So I just—it is the easiest self-promotion in the world for the company. I mean, they—they they could turn this this thing on and let it go for as long as they want. Really, um, you see them play some of those tricks. You create a little false scarcity. Uh, buy now or else. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just—it's—it's—it's it's just another way for them to move a lot of stuff. And I think that if if anyone who sits there and Looks at Prime Day on its own, and you know takes that bottom line number away from it, and says, "Oh well, it was a success or it wasn't a success," is completely missing the point. I mean, we know how Jeff Bezos thinks; he is focused many, many years down the road. This is just one part of a very big overall strategy, and so success for Prime Day isn't going to be dictated by you know the the amount of merchandise they sell. Well, and it's a good reminder that the first Prime Day in 2015. There were people saying this didn't work because of the logistical challenges, because yeah. of you know Amazon being accused of bait and switch. That the things that they were promoting early in the day were gone very quickly. That sort of thing. You going to buy anything? I mean, I am absolutely certain I will buy something. I mean, it's just it, I got a house full of kids and dogs. I mean, there's <laughs> something that needs to be done somewhere at some point. But you know, I mean, I, I always I feel like I always want to go in there and find some kind of new. Uh, home improvement tool to put to good use. So I'm, I'm certain I'll be surfing around for one of those things later tonight. Ah, oh, that's more useful than me. I was just thinking. I wonder if they got some <laughs> glow in the dark stuff it's on sale. Just cheap. It's like who doesn't like glow in the dark stuff? Oh well, I'm um, gonna get my wife something. I'm, I'm gonna find something for my better half. How about that? There you go. Um, by the way, uh, when we were talking about city and, and one-time events and just sort of like you know the larger point that context matters. Here's the context. Amazon doesn't release sales numbers. They're not going to tell us a week from now, here's what we did. But there are ways that you can sort of use things like eMarketer and that sort of thing to ballpark what they did. And right now it's looking like somewhere in the neighborhood of five to six billion dollars in sales. Alibaba on Singles Day, they're doing 30 billion in sales on one day. That tells you a lot. Jason Moser, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fuller. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.